This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. Hi, everyone, and welcome to PGA of Canada Tea Talks podcast. My name is Mark Rowe from TSN. Um, we made it through the first episode as me hosting this. So I don't know, I guess we did something right. I'm going to not take too much of the credit because our guest during that episode was phenomenal. So much so, we brought him back. It's Steve Graves, president of Creative Golf Marketing. Steve, great to see you. It's been a while. It has been, it has been Mark. <laughs> How's the family? Uh, fam, family is good. Uh, the, the dog and the baby have, were, they were quiet during episode one. We'll see how they oh do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, oh my gosh. Fantastic. Um, and, and for those who, who didn't listen to the first episode, what are you doing? Go listen to it. But, uh, it was great. Um, I learned a ton from it and we talked so much about what has happened over the last two years and how does golf, you know, maintain that momentum that saw it explode in terms of the numbers and, and how it did its business. Um, today's episode is entitled you demand slash woman. And my, the way I'm going to kick things off here, Steve is, do you find like, is, is there a trend in the industry right now with PGA professor professionals becoming the general manager of a golf course or a private club right now, because everyone wants to aspire to that, that next job in their business that gives them, you know, that fulfills, you know, their creative juices or their, their ambitions in the sport of golf. Absolutely. Yes, Mark. And and, and thank you. I, I enjoyed the first podcast very much and uh, you're, you're very enjoyable to work with. You know, we, we named this when you demand you the woman uh, because of the uh, phrase, the, the, the person screaming that out, you know, at impact, you know, on, uh, and I, I think all of those people should be, you know, taken away and never allowed ever again <laughs> on a golf course, but I digress. Yes. And you know, what's interesting, Mark, is that the, the PGA professional has advanced themselves so well that now they are becoming viewed as like we talked about before the solution. Mm-hmm. When I was a golf professional, I was a generalist. I was a little bit good at a lot of things. I could re-grip golf clubs. I could give golf lessons. I could run tournaments. I, I could do, you know, I could do inventory. You know, I was, you know, I own my own pro shop. I, you know, I, I, but I wasn't great at any of them. I was good at a lot of them. I wasn't great at any of them. And what's so exciting now is golf professionals are becoming so well educated through the PGA of Canada, through the extraordinary efforts that have been being made to give them. Now, we still need to know a lot about a lot of things, but they're becoming more specialists at certain things. And here's what I'm proud of. They're becoming businessmen and businesswomen. They're not just being viewed, although we talked before, the entertainment value, there's no question people want to be entertained, but they also want to have their public golf course, their private club financially successful. And so as those individuals have become more knowledgeable about the business of the game and the business 
you know, of understanding initiation fees, understanding dues, how they work at the club, the business model, uh, you know, the, the, the economic engines, you know, of a public golf course, you know, and how to maximize play, you know, how to, in fact, maximize spending, you know, of the consumer who's come there. Those individuals are now, in fact, being viewed as the person who should be running the facility. And heck, there's a little bit of two birds with one stone, Mark. Uh, you commonly, you, you come one time, many times, I apologize for my stumbling here, you'd have the general manager and you'd have the golf professional. And it's not uncommon, you know, here in the United States, believe it or not, this statistic is, is factual. The longevity of a general manager in the United States, 2.3 years. Wow. That's the Club Management Association of America's own statistic. So think about this. The, the you know, Mark Rowe, the PGA professional at the club, and Steve Graves, the general manager. 2.3 years later, they get rid of old, good old Steve Graves. And so they're starting, and someone says, wait a minute. We've got Mark. This guy's fabulous. Let's. Why don't we have Mark move up to the role of general manager? Now, you're talented enough, Mark, but you know what they're also thinking is the economics. You know, so now we can take one person, turn them into two, uh, you know, in positions, so to speak. Uh, and there's an economic benefit to the club as well as there is, you know, you have gained that trust through your education, your knowledge looking at more totality of the organization. And so, yes, they are rising, you know, to that level uh, in quite significant percentages uh, here in the United States. And I believe speaking for in Canada as well. Well, and, and it's interesting the way that you described your, yourself, especially early on, that you're kind of a Swiss army knight, right? That you could do all these things because I'm guessing when you, you're hiring people early on, you want them to be able to do everything because, a, you don't want anyone saying, no, I don't, I don't do that. You know, whether it's cleaning clubs or cleaning carts or whatever, like you got to be able to do it all. But as, as you move up in any industry, you, you need to have something that, you know, people will say, well, you know, Steve's skill set is X, Y, and Z. He does this really well. And this would be a perfect fit for this position, whether it's general manager or whatever it is in a, in a golf club. So if, if a, if a PGA professional was interested in becoming the general manager of their golf course or their private club, what should they be focusing on to make that step? You know, this, and this will startle you a little bit. And you, again, I'll, I'll kind of digress to our first podcast, you know, whether the PGA professional is a buy, sell or hold. Um, when someone is a generalist, Mark, they, they tend to be in that hold or sell position because when someone says, Hey, what's Steve Graves good at? And everybody kind of sits there and says, well, he's a good guy. Uh, well, he's kind of funny. No, but, but, but what does he really do at the club uh, or at the golf course? Well, he runs an adequate tournament. He gives adequate instruction. You know, so the, the more you become in this totality, but I will answer, and this, this sounds almost self-serving, but I will tell you, if every PGA professional in Canada had on their resume in big, bold words, a sentence, I understand player growth and player retention, and I am good at participating in that. If there were 50 resumes, Mark, they would go to the top five. Right. If it said, I understand how to market private clubs for membership growth and membership retention, 
and I can contribute in both realms, boom, they're in the top five uh, because everybody else in those resumes, Mark, just said, I'm a really, you know, I can run a good tournament. Everybody goes, no kidding. I can give lessons. No kidding. So can everybody else that's on here. You know, I, I run good junior programs. Okay, so can everybody else. So the more they come forward and say, I understand and can contribute in marketing the organization. I understand social media, not necessarily how to do a social media campaign, but I understand the importance, you know, of the social media aspect of, of our golf course. And I, and I can oversee those things. That's when, when it comes time to be looking at resumes, people are saying, put that guy or gal, you know, you to man or you to woman, because you've said, I can run your business for you. Oh, by the way, you're also going to have a great golf experience. I'm also going to make sure all of those other things, you know, are done. I may not be the guy or the gal, the man or the woman who actually does it. I'll be overseeing it. But I can tell you one thing. It's like the circus. You know, I'm the ringmaster. And don't you worry, all the rings are going to be full of fantastic, uh, you know, activities and events that everybody's going to be applauding for. But I'm the ringmaster. Uh, and that's what they're looking for. And, you know, when you look back at your career and when you started and the, the skill sets that you needed to acquire, you probably went, wow, I had no idea that I would, I would need this going into golf. Like you would, you would think in, in a simplistic form, golf professional, teach lessons. If I do that well, I'll be super successful. And, and yes. it's, not, it's, it's wrong, but there's so many other elements to it. Like in, in my business, I don't, have a, I don't have a marketing degree. I didn't go to school for marketing. Guess what I've had to do my entire career? I've had to market Mark Rowe. Yes, right? sir. And whether or not it comes naturally, whether sometimes I think, oh my God, I'm the most narcissistic guy in the world right now because <laughs> I sell myself. But if I don't sell myself, no one else will. If you don't toot your horn, who's going to? Exactly. So, um, and, and I guess the same can be said in this in this world as well. Like it is, um, you know, I brought up marketing. Is that a subject and a skill for which PGA professionals should be more knowledgeable in? Yes, Mark, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, and this was, the, this was the good fortune that I had when I was very young of being in the boardroom. They literally, now this, I, I was back in the boardroom in 1980 to 1992. I still remember to this day, an application came in and on the application, instead of it, it was, it was 1983, but they had an old 1982 application and they had crossed through 82 and put 83. So I said, well, 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 before we start about talking about this applicant, why don't we have a new application when nobody knows how to do it? Now, that was back with typewriters. I said, well, I'll type up a new one. Mm-hmm. Well, and so they would turn to me and they go, well, type one up. So then I started looking at all of the things that the club had, and there was no continuity. There was no consistency. There was no, the, the fonts were different. The color schemes were different. The logos were different. We've got a club here in the United States. It's one of the most elite clubs in the country. They have 60, I did a, a reach, board retreat. They had 67 different logos at the club. <laughs> but what happened, you know, the, the kids' swim team, they had a logo. You know, the yeah. kids' tennis, they had a logo. You know, the, the women's Tuesday evening, they had a logo. And so no one came forward and said, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. You, you, this is not good. This is not the, this is not the brand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that represents, you know, our organization. So, you know, I learned early, you know, baptism by fire, and everybody at my club were volunteers, 
And someone said, I don't, you know, hey, listen, I'm on the committee. I, I don't have time for that. And I'd go, well, I'll do it. So every time that I did it, I, I found out how important it was. I became that much more important. Uh, but that, that is such an integral part, you know, of what, and I, I, I just fell into it inadvertently. Mm -hmm. And have you enjoyed that part of the business that, that it, it maybe became a bit of a surprise that suddenly that that's a skill that you need. And then you look back at it now and go, I'm so glad that it is. You know, you, you, you hate to say, bring up the monetary side. Mark, but you know, there's the old joke. It's never about the money. It's always about the money. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was a really good teacher, but I couldn't make enough money teaching to really live the lifestyle I wanted with my family. Mm -hmm. I, I won awards for working with children in golf. I couldn't really make enough money. Uh, and it, cause it never showed itself at the club, but when all of a sudden I started helping clubs get 20, 50, a hundred more members at the club and, and more professional, you know what? I got paid more because I was contributing to the economic side of the club or the golf course, the public golf course. And it was so economically noticeable that, you know, it was, it was not arbitrary. It was definable. You know, all of a sudden they, they could see more revenue coming in from those things and they would kind of spin towards me and go, Hey, Steve's been leading that. Mm -hmm. But when I ran a good tournament, everybody said, God, that was fun. I'd go, boy, my bank account doesn't have much more money in it. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. Why am I not paid that way? This. <laughs> so as I became more involved in that aspect of it, they, they paid me more. Uh, my, my longevity at the club was more. Uh, the value that I brought was more. Uh, I was actually asked to go to other clubs. And if I, if I wanted to, uh, you know, leave this community and my wife and I've lived here for 43 years because my wife says we're living here. So if, if the, if Augusta national came, I'd have to go, no, thank you. Uh, we're staying in, you know, in, in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, but it did give me leverage for other facilities to come. And you know what they wanted to pay me, Mark more that they, they because I understood the marketing side of it and I could validate my worth because the top line revenues and bottom line profits started to go up in parallel. So I'm thinking of those who are listening to this podcast right now. And is there a difference then between marketing and programming that is distinguishable and, and maybe material as well for PGA professionals to understand? Yes. And I didn't understand it when I started my company 32 years ago. I always thought marketing, Mark, was growth. You know, when someone would say market our club, I thought that was a synonym for get us more members, bring us more members. And so if you hear someone talking about marketing and even Mark, you know, here, here we have, you know, not-for-profit clubs, they're 501c7 not-for-profit clubs where the IRS comes in and says, whoa, 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 you can't market, you can't you, you, you know, you have to be just for the members. So there was a long time, Mark, that people viewed marketing as taboo, something you couldn't do, something you shouldn't do, and something that was, if you did it, it was a show of failure. We must be desperate because we have a social media, you know, presence. So marketing 
is your brand, your logo, your story, your website, uh, you know, your fonts, your color scheme, your collateral materials. And most private clubs, most public golf courses have little to no budget for that. And they've and they have spent the time and effort similar to the no budget that they have. In other words, nothing. Yeah. I have a very elite client here in the United States. And I said, hey, my wife makes decisions at our house. Do you have some clatter materials that I could share with my wife? And they, they looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> what, well, what do you mean? Well, we can give you a price sheet. I said, no, no. Do you have something with pictures, some pretty pictures, and, and have some kids and some ladies in it so I can show it to my wife? No. So all of a sudden with my company, I started to design, get, I started to hire graphic designers graphic artists, so we could design those things for them. So that's the marketing side. Programming is behavior. Programming for membership referral, Mark Rowe and Steve Graves are great friends. We need to, we need, and you're the member of the club, and I'm a friend of yours, not a member of the club. Your responsibility is to ask Steve Graves to join your club. But, but no one likes to sell. No one likes to be put in that position. So you're reticent to do that. So programming is getting Mark Rowe to, in fact, reach out to Steve Graves in a manner that makes Mark Rowe comfortable and gives him a message that overcomes Steve Graves' objections. You know, well, hey, Mark, what's it cost? $15,000 to join. Oh, shoot. That's a lot of money. And so if I if the club doesn't give you, you know, answers to those objections, you know what we're going to start talking about? your child and your dog. Yeah. And you're going to bring up, you're going to bring, have I told you about my child? Yeah. Tell me. Oh yeah. And I, and boy, the dog, they have great relationships. And how about the weather? How about those sports teams? And what's happened is the club has failed in the programming side. So if I said to you, Hey, Mark, do you have any clatter materials you can share with me? Now, now we've got the combination of marketing and program and programming going on. I've asked you for some information I can share with my family and you don't have any. So the process all falls apart. So the two are distinctly different. Same thing for programming. I mean, I, I own the carts and I discovered every time my cart sat there, I was making no money. Mm -hmm. So I determined on Thursday evenings at our club, we had no golf. No, nobody played on Thursday evenings for some reason. I don't know why. So I made an announcement to the club, to the members, Thursday evening, no cart fees, free. Thursday evenings, bring a friend out, half greens fees. Packed. Okay, but you know what they did? Busiest night of the week. <laughs> busiest night of the week. But you know what? Also, ironically, I own the pro shop. You know what they did? They bought a glove. They bought a hat. They bought something from me. They came out to the club. They had a great time. You know, so I, I influenced behavior. I own the carts. So it didn't cost me, didn't cost the club anything. Yeah. I got the club half greens fees for the guests they brought out. The club made more money than they would have otherwise had. So it's it's thinking outside the box and determining how can I influence behavior. I played a golf course in Las Vegas and we got done and on the on the the uh, steering wheel of the cart, remember we're in Las Vegas, it said if you'll give us your email address, we'll buy your first beer when you get in the pro shop in the, in the clubhouse. Yeah. All four of us said, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. To this day, I still get emails from that golf course in Las Vegas, <laughs> you know, saying, you know, hey, yeah. 
for, for one beer. Yeah. One beer. So what was that? That was called programming. They they programmed. Now, every single thing that they send me, Mark, about the about the golf course is marketing. Mm-hmm. So they use programming and marketing. So I've probably taken up too much of the time on one question. But yes, there's an extraordinary difference between the two. And the more the PGA professionals understands the, the, the nuances and can talk about both of them, the more value they may become. Well, and, and it's interesting. You brought up a lot of great examples. And, and to go back to that conversation that you would have maybe with a prospective member and the, you know, uh, hi, Steve, how you doing? We got this golf club. It's going to cost you $50,000 a year. And then there's silence and you go, so how about the Blue Jays? And how about, <laughs> it? you know, it's like, but you got to circle back to that money. You're know, at some point you got to go, okay, so the, about the 15,000, would you like to join our, our club? Like you got to get back there. So, um, and this is such a big topic that we, we touched upon in episode one, you know, how important is it for PGA professionals to understand the golfer membership acquisition and, and the retention right now with golf being so hot? Yeah. Perfect question. Thank you. And great, great synergies too, with regard to our discussions. When I was a younger man, Mark, 90% of all golfers and members were hundred percent users of the facility. I know that sounds, but you got to go back. Remember, I'm in my sixties. We only had three television channels at the time. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't all this competition. So you were going to the same facilities all the time, all the time. So now I talk about what I call the 40, 80, 60, 20 rule. 40% of all golfers are 80% golfers at their club or their facility. 40 you know who they are, what they're going to gripe about, what what chair they're going to sit in, what they're going to order. You know exactly who they are. Mark, you can't get rid of those people, but we pay too much attention to them. Mm-hmm. Number two, 60% of all golfers and members are 20% users of the club. They are at risk. They're very successful. They're very affluent, but they have lives outside of their golf course or their club. So they're easily distracted. So you need to be watching. So if Mark Rowe's a 40 percenter, 80%, you're going to walk in. I'm going to acknowledge you. But the next person that walks in is that 60 percenter that's not using the club very much. I'm going to play up to them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of, hey, Mark, good to see you. Go on, go on, go on. Yeah. And then I'm going to go to the, to the other person. And I'm going to talk to them about their dog and their child. And the school they graduated from. I'm going to have a dossier about them. I'm going to know everything there is about them to have them feel good about their relationship because I've paid attention to them. Now, what happens on that, the more that group is shown interest, the less they quit their golf course, the more they come out, the more they, in fact, invite others to come out. The 40 percenters, they don't want any more golfers. They, they're the golfers that say, I wish there was only 10 of us. Yeah. You know, at, at a club, they go, you know, gosh, dang it. Why don't they charge double the dues and have half the members? No, those people are nuts. <laughs> and, and, and whether it's Canada or United States, we all have them. They're nuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but they, we tend to listen to them when we should be looking at the retention and the, and the nuances of our current golfers and who are not using the club as much, not using the golf course as much, and recognizing when the when the person comes through and laments that they didn't play very well. 
and you know that they're one of the what I call the 60 percenters, that's when I say to you, hey, Mr. Rowe, I'll tell you what, I've got, an, I've got 15 minutes. Would, would you like to go down to the driving range? And, you know, I noticed when you teed off that your ball position, it was a little farther forward in your stance than it should be. Would, would you have, do you have 10 minutes? Let's go down and, and, and you go, well, yeah. I go, you know, a 40%er, he's going to go, no, I'm fine. The 60%er is going to go, you're interested in me? Of course I am, Mr. Rowe. Be happy to do that. Matter of fact, I noticed that your wife hasn't been out. Would she like to, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a, a short, you know, quick lesson? Have her bring out your son or daughter, you know, as well. So, yes, this is where that the as the PGA professionals are contributing to membership retention and growth. Remember, those are all top line revenue and bottom line specifics that you can equate. They are tangible. You can prove that they have happened. Uh, and it can you can equate to who was the one that did it. Well, it was either the, the man or the woman, mm-hmm. you know, who is truly contributing to that, and and through the recognition of the program they've put in place that influenced the behavior of the person who was trending away from the golf course or trending away from the club. So, for example, uh, initiation fee of fifty thousand dollars. I was one of the first in the you know I, I didn't start anything. I stole every eye concept there was. But I came up with a trial membership that said, hey, Mr. Rowe, it's $50,000. Tell you what, it, just sign a contract that you'll be a member for 12 months. At the end of 12 months, if you're not happy, you pay dues for 12 months. Mm-hmm. At the end of 12 months, you're happy, you owe us $50,000. Oh, hey, Mr. Rowe, by the way, if you buy your membership in the first 60 days, that $50,000, you can make four installments of $12,500. Now, if you wait till the end of the year, you pay the full $50,000. I have a statistical conversion rate. Nobody can see on here. I just slobbered. Uh, I have a statistical conversion rate, Mark, of 94% stay at the club, join. So the trial membership overcame the objection that me as your friend said, wow, Mark, 50,000, 5,000, 1,000. Wow. My wife may not allow me to do that. Oh, hey, Steve, we got this thing. Try it out. Oh, hey, I can? Yeah. Now you got to commit to 12 months. You know, so there's the give and the take. So my point is, is as you understand and you're able to speak powerfully about how this will all work. I had a club that, that was a $100,000 initiation fee club. And I said, do you allow staged payments? And they said, well, only if the person asks. I said, why do... Why are you going to make the person ask? Why don't you say, hey, Mr. Rowe, it's $100,000, but if you'd like, you can pay this installments in two installments, three installments, four installments. Well, that might show a person who's incapable of affording our club. I said, if they can come up with a hundred grand, I think they're showing a little bit of strength of, of affluence. Right. And you can be exclusive and gracious at the same time. They are not mutually exclusive concepts. So as the PGA professional understands this, steps forward and says, here are proven ideas, they will always remember who originated the idea. Not the generalist, the specialist, the businessman, the businesswoman. Steve, that's uh, it's such great information. I think what makes it work so much is the anecdotes that you have that so many people listening right now will say, yeah, you know, I've been in that situation or like I've seen 
that work or I've seen how we have failed before and how we can work on it. So uh, that's great. You know, you were so good on Tea Talks Live that we did earlier this year. Um, I even think you're better on a podcast. That, that's just my opinion. You're, uh, I, but you know what? I value your opinion. I, I think that you uh, have, Mark, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you as you're concluding here. This is here. I, cause we, we, we can cut this out. But there's one other thing to remember. Almost everybody who runs a public golf course or who runs a private club is an amateur at that organization. They're not experts. Mm-hmm. So we say this all the time. Those individuals are so afraid of the wrong decision, they make no decisions. So as your PGA professional comes forward with some of the case studies I just talked about, some of the anecdotes that I've just talked about, he, will, he or she will give them comfort to make these decisions. And that's where their value also comes from, is they do their homework, they do their research, they talk about case studies, they talk about best practices, and they give comfort to uncomfortable people who are in industries as owners, board members, et cetera, that are uncomfortable with the industry they're in. That's great. They're not taking that out, that last part. <laughs> and if they do, now they have to take out the part of me saying they're not going to take it out, which is a lot of work, and they're not going to want to do that. There but you go. We, we own them. We, we own, own them. Steve, thanks so much. It's been so great chatting with you, catching up. Uh, I've learned a ton. I know that our audience has as well. And thanks to the audience for tuning into this episode of Tea Talks Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean for your up-to-date podcast alerts and early access. This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living.